BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. Bringing the underground to the foreground. listening to Radical Advice on BFF.fm. I'm Lily Sloan, having a slow start. That's okay. I'm not going to be too hard on myself about it. (laughs) If you haven't listened to the show before, this is uh, Radical Advice, and I'm a psychotherapist based in San Francisco, uh, and I come in usually with a guest, and we answer some listener life questions and talk about the intersection of psychotherapy, personal growth, and activism. Um, to join in the conversation, you can tweet at us during the show at, at radical underscore advice. And if you have a life question you want addressed at a future date, you can submit anonymously at radicaladviceshow.com. Speaking of future dates, there's only four more broadcasts after today. So if you've been sitting on a difficult life question and we're feeling shy about sending it in or just just weren't sure for some reason, now is your chance. There's four more shows. I intend to get to your questions before the very end, but I can't do it unless you send them to me because I, despite what many people think about therapists, do not read minds, especially not from a distance. Sometimes close up is okay. Anyway, um, I'm excited to bring in my guest. I'm excited uh, to just be back in the studio today. For some reason, it feels like it's been a long time, even though it's just been a week. Um, but I think I think what I really need right now, uh, and fits well with the format of the show, 
is a brief check-in. So let's just take a moment to step away from whatever you're doing and pay attention to your breath. You're simply noticing what's there without without an agenda to fix or change. Noticing what your breath is up to. Noticing any sensations in your body. Noticing what your mind is doing. How it feels to be sitting and breathing right in this moment. And you can stay just like that or you could try deepening your breath just a little bit. Just adding an extra second or two onto the inhale and exhale. Feeling the rise and fall in your shoulders, in your chest, in your belly with each breath. so much for tuning into the show today and tuning into yourself. I am so excited for my guest that what we're going to do right now is listen to a song for her. And here is a classic, beautiful, sweeping tune. Here is Bittersweet Symphony by The Verb.
You are listening to Radical Advice on BFF.fm. Uh, best frequencies forever. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Hi. Um, that was Bittersweet Symphony by The Verve. We were just talking about its timelessness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just need that to be my ending credits at all times. It's a really good ending credit song. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for um, bringing that into my life today. Sure. <laughs> Um, So, yeah, why did you pick that? Yeah, so it's recently come back into my life, that song. I mean, like you said, it's kind of timeless and it's a 90s classic. But um, I think recently it really um, kind of made sense for what was going on in my life where I passed my clinical exam and recently got licensed and starting a private practice. And how so many good things can happen in life and life can also still be really hard. Yeah. And things can still be sad or emotional even when you get things that are good that you've been working for and wanting for a long time. And so the song just like hit me like that, even though it's also Mm -hmm. really, really um, kind of grim. (laughs) The song, it's like you get some money and then you die. I mean, life is definitely more than that, but there's like a certain mood (laughs) that that song captures. But also mm. just this truth that life is really bittersweet. Yeah. So I wonder if the mood is like, yeah, kind of leaning more into the side of, okay, I get the things, but I'm still, but then what? Yeah. But then we still have, um, you know, the world that's broken in so many ways. We have our wounds and our pains that yeah. still hurt, you know, even if things are a lot better or um, or we get things that we've wanted. Um, yeah. Things, things can still be hard and things are still hard for a lot of people and mm-hmm. creatures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this world. And it's it's pretty depressing. And yeah, and it's appropriate to be sad and depressed and disturbed about things and mm-hmm. not just feel happy all the time. I mean, that would be pretty delusional, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's something about the, the quality of the song, too, is like there's like um it's there's an uplifting quality, but it's also kind of sneakily a very like trudging along quality. Yeah, yeah. That's like, okay, next thing. Okay, now next. Uh-huh. Now next. Okay, I just gotta keep going. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it as kind of like this power, like this power kind of I don't know if ballad's the right word. I'm not like a music person to that extent I don't know if it's it's not a ballad right that would be the wrong word um interesting yeah I haven't thought of it as a ballad but okay so then maybe I'm misusing that word but it's it seems like this very um kind of pronounced song to me that signifies kind of like the integration and this powerful kind of integration of things can both at the same time be good and be bad yeah and there's kind of a groundedness and um, facing or in touch with reality in that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like this powerful kind of groundedness when I listen to that song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel powerful yeah. with it too. Yeah. It's like things are really fucking hard and I'm still going. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm still trudging along and totally. there, are, there are strings playing. Right. And, and it's uplifting in some way. Yeah. But it's also like, yeah, it's here like, we are. This sucks, and we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And we're okay. Like we're okay. Yeah. On some level. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. 
That's where I came up with that song. Yeah, I'm really glad you did. And you're the first one in 114 broadcasts. Really? To do that song. Yeah. Yeah, I am too, actually. A bunch of therapists. Yeah. I'm (laughs) I'm fairly certain Hmm. there's a little part of me that's now like, "Hmm, wait, do I have that right? I know how to find out right now by adding it to my playlist of songs that have already been on the show. Mm. Yeah, it didn't say wow. that was a repeat. So. Wow. Well, there's a lot of amazing music in the world, so it's also not surprising. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that that's like, you know, that's the only song. <laughs> no, after listening to it just now, I'm like, yeah, that that's the only song we need. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay, fine. So, Jessica Brown. Yeah. <laughs> psychotherapist. Uh-huh. MFT. Mhm. LMFT. That's right. I got those letters now. You got those letters. Congratulations. Thank you so much. What a marathon. Yeah. More than a marathon, like a five and a half year thing. An ultra marathon. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Well, even ultra marathons are only like 100 miles. <laughs> Wimps a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, when you were on the show, you were one of the first, like, you were in the first, like, couple months of uh-huh, the show true, going, yeah. so you were, you were doing your hours, you were, yeah, I think I was at Access Institute, you were where Access I did my Institute. training, um, my, my associateship, your associateship, <laughs> <laughs> which I still like to say internship instead of associateship, but that's fine, BBS. Oh, well, um, I prefer, I was, I wished that they had used the word associate when I oh, was an intern because yeah. intern to me implies fetching coffee. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And associate implies I'm a professional. Right. And I'm, and I'm just like, I'm like, I'm still, I'm still, uh, I'm not senior. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm here and I'm, yeah, totally. I know what I'm doing. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was at Access. Um, I did a two year fellowship there. Yeah, um, right. As an associate and um, worked with elders, mm-hmm. um, kids at a elementary school in San Francisco and um, saw a wide, diverse range of clients, individual adults and couples at the clinic. Um, and it was all kind of housed within a psychoanalytic training program for two years. And so felt like it was a really good experience and it was it was great to kind of build my knowledge and framework of psychoanalytic thinking and theory um yeah and so now I'm out on my own and building my practice and I um my my practice is in Oakland um and I work with individual adults and couples yeah amazing yeah yeah Wow. How do you, I have a question about couples because I, I don't know. It's such like a, I know so many therapists who are like, oh, I don't work with couples. Uh Like it's just like a very decisive thing for people. And actually I was so sure that I wanted to and I did for several years and then I, Uh and then I decided decisively not to anymore. And so I'm just wondering what for you is is the draw and mm-hmm. like how do you I don't know yeah I think about that work I was really intimidated at first mm-hmm. um, and I didn't see couples for I think my first little while of training um, I just felt 
intimidated by being like one against two or <laughs> like something about it. My fantasy was just like very paranoid about it. Mm. But then I I opened my mind to it and I tried it and I actually loved it. And I think it brings this whole different set of skills um, rather than just being one on one with mm -hmm. a, with a patient or client um, where there's kind of this, I don't know, in psychoanalytic thought, I think there's this, who is it? Maybe it's Beyond that says kind of um, evenly hovering attention or something mm. as the clinician. Mm -hmm. I totally might be getting that wrong, that sounds, by the way. That sounds right. Whatever. But we don't fact check this show, so don't worry. <laughs> okay, thank God. <laughs> but, um, but this idea that I like is that, you know, we're paying attention to the client, what's going on in them, what's going on in ourselves. Yeah like my own feelings and thoughts that are going on while I'm listening to the client and then kind of the attention of what's going on between the two of us, how mm. those things are interacting. And, and those things, you know, that I, that I could be thinking of or noticing in myself could be like my own fantasies, um, my own distractions, mm -hmm. like, oh, wondering what time it is or what, what's going on but how those things can all kind of fit together with mm -hmm. what might be going on in the room between us. Mm. Um, and with couples, it's just bringing in another level of complexity to that. Cause yeah. as the therapist, I'm paying attention to each person individually and paying attention to their relationship and then what's going on between me and their relationship and me and them and each of individually. Them, yeah. So it's kind of like, wow, a lot to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm, really like learning about um, kind of the different theories about kind of the couple unconscious mm. and how to pay attention to the dynamic between them um, as an expression of their own individual histories and how mm -hmm. they're kind of interfacing with each other. And I, I kind of find it fascinating yeah. work actually. Um, and then how I'm fitting into their world because it's quite a, it's quite a vulnerable thing to kind of bring your relationship with your partner to someone else and talk about the most kind of private, personal, most painful things with another person. Yeah. Um, other than just your partner. It's very exposing. It's very vulnerable. And so um, I also have a lot of respect for couples that are willing to do that kind of work because I think it takes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I absolutely agree. I've never been so vulnerable in therapy as I've been in couples therapy. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's it's quite a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think when you're I think in individual therapy you there are more ways to defend. Mm. I think mm -hmm. against, against like because because if your partner's there they they might they might share things that you wouldn't have. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> about about you and, and your behavior. See and... a lot more of you than maybe you do of yourself sometimes, yeah. and a lot more than most other people see. Yeah, um, like, like your friends. You know, the stuff that comes up in our intimate relationships doesn't normally come up as intensely with just our friendships. Right. So right. It, it, it's very exposing of our kind of deepest stuff. So absolutely. Yeah. Good for you for doing that. I I think that I can really picture you working with couples. Yeah. Like I can really see it. Yeah. And I'm excited for you that Thank you're doing you. that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 
And you also have something else that you're doing. And I know not, you know, some some of the listeners may be therapists or therapists in training, but yeah. I think it would be good to hear about, about totally. it because also people, I want people to know about the kinds of support the therapists need to do Absolutely. the work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm um, starting a group, an interpersonal process group, a T group for pre-licensed clinicians. And so that's for pre-licensed clinicians of all kinds. So that can be doctorate level, um, societies, PhDs, um, LCSWs, MFTs, LPCCs, anyone that's kind of in their training. So mm-hmm. practicum, internship, associateship, postdoc, whatever. Yeah. Um, and basically the idea of an interpersonal process group and T group um, is a way for people to do more personal growth work on themselves with other therapists mm-hmm. in a group kind of community. And what that means is basically the group is um, holding a kind of ethos around each person working on their relational patterns and struggles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So group members will interact with other group members, um, sharing honestly, vulnerably, stuff that comes up for them in the group. And there's a facilitator, me, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) um, as well as the group that kind of holds that process um, to to happen. And what I've found, because I've participated and led groups um you've been doing for that a while for years, yeah for a while and it is not only some of the best personal growth work i think but it's also tremendously valuable training mm-hmm. for therapists mm-hmm. which is why picking um kind of there's a lot of intentionality when i'm offering it for pre-licensed clinicians because i think it's such a hard time yeah in training where you're doing such hard work, such long hours most of the time, very little pay most of the time, and very little recognition or support. Yeah. It's very thankless work. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's hard, especially when you're not making much money. You have student debt. You have hard schedules, all of that. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's a really good time to be with other therapists who are having similar experiences and get that support. But also it's a time to grow and work on yourself personally and also professionally as a clinician. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some of the skills that a T group offers, I mean, it, it's just been tremendous. Like the way that I think I've grown as a clinician just by being a participant in T groups. Um, what is what what would a, a, like a typical T group look like, like in terms of like what happens? What happens in a T group? Yeah, so a T group could be, um, there can be a lot of different things. I mean, there could be so many things that happen. Mostly interpretive dance. <laughs> well, that there's no, there's no saying that that couldn't happen, but typically that wouldn't happen. But um, so the, the groups will um, be a maximum of 10 people to, mm-hmm. to allow space for more people um to come in because if they're too big then it's just too hard yeah um so what can typically happen is a group can sit down together and one person can start and engage another person in the group like hey lily i i have been having some feelings about x y and z 
And the idea is that group members are invited and prepared beforehand to Mm -hmm. really work on their skills of communicating both compassionately and honestly. So communicating directly, but using a lot of emotional and vulnerable language. So getting away from blaming or one-upping or judging people and speaking from your own experience. So that already is a huge skill. Yeah. Because in our culture, we are not good at that. (laughs) I mean, we're usually going quick to blame, quick to judge and interpret, especially therapists. Yeah. Quick to interpret what the other person is doing. Yes rather than actually connect to our own feelings and share vulnerably what's happening for us. Right, right. So that skill alone is huge. Yeah. And then say someone is having a strong emotional reaction. You know, groups can also, groups can bring up a lot of family dynamics for people. We can start to find ourselves behaving and feeling in groups we did in our families of origin where we can find ourselves being a particular role, like a caretaker or someone who um, is kind of like the identified patient Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. all of the bad feels like they're holding it all and can't contain it. and um, Or the person who feels absolutely invisible and can't come forward, Um, the peacemaker. You know, all these different kinds of roles can come up and the group gives an opportunity to really explore and even challenge those roles yeah, um, by having the opportunity to kind of voice what those vulnerable feelings are in a way that we weren't able to voice and talk about in our families of origin. Those things yeah. just went underground. Right. So the group has a lot of potential to, to help us uncover those things in ourselves and also build these skills like I'm talking about where in addition to what I already mentioned, things like how to stay connected to yourself in the face of somebody else's strong emotions how to kind of contain your emotions and be able to still communicate what's going on for you in a way that somebody else can hear it better. Yeah. How to, how to contain more if, if kind of that's difficult for you or how to come forward more in a group if that's difficult for you. So kind of depending on where you're at, there's a lot of different important skills. And as a therapist, all of these things are just, um, so crucial yeah. for our work with individuals and couples too. I mean, couples oh, yeah. work, couples work as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it, I mean, I did experience with working with couples, um, the surprise at realizing how actually grounded I did feel mm-hmm. in the room with people. And I think there was something about them coming to me mm-hmm. and being in this state where I was like, Oh, I'm, they, they're looking to me for help. And so I actually, and I'm actually an authority here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that made it less intimidating than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But also I didn't, I didn't have, I hardly had any couples that were very high conflict uh-huh. and that always scared me. Yeah. But I think like, I, I imagine trying to stay regulated in that, yeah. in that place yeah. um, would be oh. so hard. I had my very first couple was a really good training case because they were very high conflict, like ready to get a divorce, coming in, um, been married for many years, children, all. So it was like really um, a complicated case that um, I think I was able to help them. But I was also 
um, learning a lot mm-hmm. from that and, and getting a lot of supervision and a lot of support and training around that too. But yeah. it can be intimidating. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we're going to come back and talk more. Okay. Um, and we're, we're going to do a listener question, but let's listen to a song. Okay. So speaking of bringing kind of flashback music, um, <laughs> I, so Moom from their older album, uh, Yesterday was, I love the name of this album. Yesterday was dramatic, but today is okay. Oh, I've heard of this. It's such a good album. Um, I don't remember. I don't know when it originally came out. Maybe it was like 2003 or something, something mm. early 2000s, maybe even maybe earlier than that because I saw them live at Bimbo's when I was 18. Wow. And I think, yeah, this album was around then. Anyway, it was just re- re-released, remastered. Mm. And so there's, a, it says 2019. It was the 20th anniversary edition. So it was 99. It was 99. Awesome. Holy shit. Wow. Um, so... I was lis- I was in Seattle over the weekend and yesterday I was in Seattle's public li- like main public library downtown because it's this like remarkable feat of architecture and engineering. Oh, wow. I've never it's, been there. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I ha- and it was raining and I had some time to kill and it's like these crazy slanted um Side, like siding and roofs that, that's like all glass and so just sitting in this kind of dim space with the rain coming down on the windows and I was reading the golden compass and just really yeah. really just having a nice chill time sounds like a perfect lily kind of day yeah <laughs> <laughs> the rain the rain just more rain and um and the rain <laughs> You loved the rain. I know. I came back and I'm like so pissed about the sun being out. Um, the uh, but there was there was like a, a man sitting across from me who suddenly was listening to music on his headphones, but it was so loud that it was like coming through. And I was like, oh, I have to. I can't concentrate. He's listening to like really bad. You know that song that was like. No. <laughs> I thought I had it. I thought I was going to be able to say, yeah. oh, my God. It's yeah, like, an old, like a 90s like dance tune. No. Okay. Anyway, oh, I don't know. I don't I can't. I don't know the words. I was like, yeah. Anyway, it's terrible. Not, and that was what I was hearing. It's not the one like. No. I think we should give up on this part. Anyway, the music was too loud. So I was like, okay, as much as I'm I at first was enjoying just these like very quiet, like like creaky library sounds. Yeah. Um I am I just really uh couldn't with his music. Yeah. So I put on my headphones and I decided Moom has always been like easy to listen mm-hmm. to while I'm doing something else. Mm-hmm. And I was just totally blown away by how normally I don't think I'm going to notice like the the remastered version. I'm not going to notice like a big difference, oh. but I just like felt like the new mix was so, so rich and like in, in enveloping and mm. beautiful. So I want to play a song from that Let's one. Hear it. Yeah. So this is the Ballad of the Broken Birdie. Wait, the Ballad of the Broken Birdie Records mm. by Moom from Yesterday is Dramatic, was dramatic, today is okay.
We want to be your BFF. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. BFF.FM, best frequencies Streaming forever. with my besties. <laughs> oh, that was me laughing. That's cool. Did you make that? Yeah. I like that. Really I, for, I hadn't heard that one in a while, and I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm actually not in most of these that I've made, but uh-huh. I'm randomly laughing in that uh-huh. one. So. <laughs> cool. Um, anyway, <laughs> you're listening to Radical Advice on, uh, as you just heard, BFF.fm. Yeah. And that was The Ballad of the Broken Birdie Records by Moom from the 20th anniversary re-release of Yesterday Was Dramatic, Today Is Okay, the uh, story of my life. But sometimes today is dramatic and yesterday was okay. True. You know, like it it changes. True. Sometimes tomorrow will be dramatic mm-hmm. and today is also dramatic. Yeah. And we don't know that yet. <laughs> we don't know that yet. Yeah. Um, but you, we were just talking about your work, Jessica Brown. Hi. Hi. I should remind people of who I'm talking to. Um, but you, we didn't uh, plug how people could find out if they are a pre-licensed therapist, find out about your tea group that you're offering. Yeah. So um, I'm starting a new group in February. And if you're interested in learning more or applying to join the group, you can email me um, at jessica at jessicabrowntherapy.com. And my, so my website is jessicabrowntherapy.com. And if you're interested in the tea group, you can go to jessicabrowntherapy.com slash T group and T group is spelled with a hyphen. So just the letter T hyphen group. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to talk to anyone who's interested, any pre-licensed therapists that want to get support and um, be in a community of other therapists growing together. It's so vital. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Well, let's uh, discuss a listener question. Okay, great. All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. This person writes, I have a friend whom I'm finding increasingly difficult to deal with. He is certainly depressed, maybe not clinically, but significantly and for a while. But every time I hang out with him, I find myself being treated like I'm stupid. Arguments are formed out of thin air and I get spoken to at a volume that I find unacceptable. I feel as though I am unable to speak my mind or my opinion to him about anything because it will be invariably shot down and I will be made to feel small and stupid. But I know he's hurting right now and I feel guilty not being there for him. Should I? Is it okay to let this friendship go? Or how can I be friends with him? Mm. That's a good question. Yeah. (laughs) I can say my first instinct, which is fuck that. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's mm. just like, I think I've, I mean, obviously I know it's more complicated than that and it's a personal choice, but I've I've been experiencing a, a lot of anger lately about the way that, that not infrequently men are socialized to express their depression, mm. which is... M- off, like not uncommonly lashing out at others mm-hmm. and kind of oh I didn't get like a gender oh yeah it's this. a he it's a he yeah okay. they said in the thing yeah uh-huh. and so from my own personal place I'm like no that's not exciting like he may be hurting but it's not you don't have to tolerate being mistreated sure and 
And then my my anger leads me further to just be like, fuck it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't need to be friends with him. Uh-huh. Well, certainly that's your choice, I think, if you don't want to be friends with someone. Um, but I do think it's it's really complicated because, um, you know, we bring so much of our stuff to our friendships too. Right. So there's a way to, I think, look at this friend, um, and look at ourselves. So like what's coming up for this person who's writing the question where they, it sounds like end up feeling really powerless and Mm -hmm. that they have to just bear the irritability of their friend who might be spewing all of their shit basically onto them and that they feel maybe that they just have to take it right because they know that their friend is having a hard time yeah and they feel guilty about it but then it sounds like they also feel resentful Mm -hmm. just taking it yeah so then what what does one do yeah in that situation yeah well it's i mean and i think you're right like it's an opportunity to kind of unpack your own like what comes up for you in that kind of dynamic? I think yeah. that there are gender dynamics in that, mm-hmm. you know, that are very, could very likely be present if this this person is, uh, though actually I don't know if this, if the writer is what their gender is. Uh-huh. Um, but if, if the writer is a woman, for instance, like there could be a lot there around sure. socialization on both sides. like fe- And fear. And fear. If this person is being really angry and aggressive, that yeah. could be also scary. Yeah. Perhaps. And then there can be the more personal, like what was your experience in your family? And like mm-hmm. how how was it expected that you respond to people who are acting that way or yeah. or how do you feel about anger yeah in general and like, yeah, is your that own. is that yeah. really triggering for you um when someone's angry maybe that's something that feels really sensitive and has felt really scary um to you depending on your past um other people can like be more um okay i guess with like more direct um aggressive talking right right but i think if if there's kind of a blaming and an aggression you know it seems like it's really important that one stands up for themselves in a way that perhaps the other person can hear it so i would i I, my fantasy without you know with only knowing this this much about the question is that this friend um who is not being a great friend yeah. is um, going through this hard time and just kind of lashing out when this um, writer is not kind of giving what the friend really wants or needs in the right way. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that could be it. So this author is like, what do I do? Like I'm trying to be here for this person, but I keep getting it wrong and they keep getting mad at me, but I'm really trying. And so I'm getting resentful, but I also feel guilty because mm-hmm. I want to be be a good friend. Yeah. Um, and so it seems that if they, you know, there's an option to kind of fight back, but that probably wouldn't go very well. Because if this friend is super irritable, they're just going to keep lashing out. So that mm-hmm. would, could just start a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if there's a way to say something, because it seems important to say something yeah. to this friend in probably a vulnerable way about sharing how this has been really hard mm-hmm. and sharing the complexity of this. Like, I've really wanted to be here for you, but 
um, I'm finding it really hard to know how to be here for you when it feels like you're really upset with me a lot. And mm-hmm. um, I, I don't really know how to give to you right now. And I want you to know the impact that it's been having on me. And I want to know, you know, if there's something more specific that I can do. I mean, maybe just that much bringing it to the friend's awareness could start to shift something Yeah, between that rather than just feeling like, the option is to bear it or to run. Right. right. There might be some middle ground there. Mm-hmm, um, but mm-hmm. I think it would require having a pretty honest and vulnerable conversation about it. Yeah. I think that's usually what things like what it takes in terms of relationships. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if the goal is if you have the energy to fight for the friendship. Yeah, I think. And right. like and and I think that that is a good place to start. It's interesting because my projection about what was going on there was a little different, which mm. was that not so much that the person was lashing out at them for not supporting them correctly, but mm-hmm. actually just in general was just really hard to just hang out with and was getting like arguments were coming up around topics unrelated to supporting uh-huh. them just uh-huh. and that they're but they're so they're not having a good time being around this person. Right. But because they they know the person's going, and so then my my thinking is, oh, this person's not the person that they're dealing with is not being vulnerable about their hard time. They're just kind of generally unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And then this person who wrote in doesn't know how to connect with them uh-huh. and is just getting triggered. Uh-huh. And, uh, right. But either way, the same thing. Either could way, apply. the same thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it really could be either way. It could. It could be seeing, like you're saying, like seeing them just exhibiting kind of poor, crappy yeah. behavior. Yeah. Um, like how they're treating other people and treating them is kind of like a global thing. Yeah. And, and it could be like it it could be kind of what you were describing of like, hey, this has been really hard for me. Um, it, it could also. I'm picturing, you know, something, a version of that, too, that's like hey, you know, I know you're going through a hard time and I really care about you and the way you're talking to me right now is not okay. Absolutely. So I need to go. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of where my mind was going also that like setting limits is I think super important for us to be able to stay in a relationship because then like in a sense like this, it's just, it sets up this uh, polarity like I either have to completely leave the relationship yeah or I have to feel like I just bear the burden of being bulldozed like all the time right and neither of those are good options really I mean Mm. sometimes leaving is the right option actually but if you care about the relationship and want to stay limit setting and saying like you know this is really not okay with me is, is appropriate yeah it was important to have that kind of conversation. And I think, you know, what I've found typically is leading with some level of vulnerability. And I don't mean necessarily like falling on your sword or making yourself bad or making yourself like a pile of weepiness mm-hmm. to someone. I'm not talking about that level of vulnerability, but saying like, I've been having a hard time. Yeah. That is not only I think better for the other person but that makes it also better for you 
right. in the long run because they're more likely to respond to you in the way you'd prefer if you lead with that kind of vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. So it is kind of self-serving in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it, and it, I mean, and it should be like, yeah, yeah, the idea is how can I make this situation better for for myself, for myself? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I totally agree. It's like those skills. We were talking about the skills that that people learn doing T group type work, but also just in learning to be a therapist and, and in therapy and in therapy. Like I, Mm -hmm. I just remember Nonviolent communication, learning nonviolent communication, which which is, you know, basically mm-hmm. like I statements leading with your own vulnerability, all right. of that, not blaming, not pointing the finger. That was so awkward at first. Yeah. And now it just feels very like. I'm not I'm not saying I do it all the time, but it feels right. it feels weird when I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like sometimes I'm like, wow, I have to force myself to let myself blame somebody else sometimes yeah. except in a more like political sense like I'm fine blaming people mm-hmm. but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but and like, sometimes yeah. people are wrong yeah and and they, sometimes they people had are wrong. bad behavior and they need to be called out yeah. and you need to set limits yeah, and you have and, to say you have to make a you statement right you have to be like you can't do that to right me. <laughs> and of course none of us are perfect at this at all no. but, but I think sometimes like it is good to kind of step back before going to that conversation and be like wait what's going on for me here though yeah yeah and it is when you when you practice speaking in that way it it becomes a way of thinking mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. like that that's what i've found is if i'm having a hard time with somebody usually there's at least a point in my thinking around it where i'm thinking through it in that framework yeah of like yeah what am I feeling right what's getting triggered in me right what what do I need here yeah and what options do I have to to address this or maybe not you yeah know? um with this question it sounds like it's really important to bring it up um especially if you're considering like leaving the friendship it might just be worth it yeah you know to to try and then go from there because you know if if this friend is not willing to kind of meet you halfway or really have, you know, some good conversations about this that help you feel a little bit better about things, then maybe that's, you know, the data you need mm-hmm. to know what you're willing to continue investing in this friendship. Right. But right. perhaps, you know, if you're not ready to throw in the towel, it's worth a try um, right, or yeah. two or three, depending on what, you know, what you're up for. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I've really thought about a lot over the last couple of years is just I think my training had me feeling like I had to process everything with everybody all the time, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't want to. Right. <laughs> and then and then I realized that like, oh, this problem will come back mm-hmm. in some form or other. So I don't need to worry about not learning what I need to learn. Like yeah. I'll have another opportunity, but it's not always the time yeah or the person or right. you know whatever oh totally it's not always the person or yeah um and yeah. you know you have a choice too everyone has a choice like mm-hmm. what do i want to work this out with this person or not yeah and it's okay if if, if it's not yeah mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i definitely agree with you that if if this person is able to try 
to have that more vulnerable conversation, it's worth it. Yeah. 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 They can at least learn something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it seems <sighs> like, you know, for them to write in and really um, ask this question, um, it sounds like from from a really curious and really open place, it seems like there is some motivation in there to try to figure this out and, yeah. and want and is like wrestling with these kind of options. And so there, there is, there is a sense I get that they're not writing off this person yet. They're right. still really wanting to try to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I also, hmm. Well, I think I forgot what I was going to say, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I also had something to say that I'm going to ramble about for a moment until I remember it. Okay, great. Yeah. So yeah, that wallpaper is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's cool, right? I don't know. It's kind of fun. I like it. Funky. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, oh, I know. I know what I was going to say. See, that worked. It that worked. worked. Yeah. Wow. And to everyone's great entertainment, <laughs> good content. Um, I think it's also important to kind of going back to that thing about the resentment mm-hmm. is it seems like when you feel angry or resentful and resentful is a form of anger, resentment's a form of anger, um, that this guilt comes in that, oh, but this person's going through a hard time. And I think it's really important to let your anger be valid mm-hmm. you know it doesn't mean you're going to lash out at the person it doesn't mean you're you're going to yell at them or or whatever it just to allow yourself to give yourself permission to feel angry about this yeah and my personal is that when i really give myself permission to feel anger about something i'm i'm able to move through it as opposed mm-hmm. to being just kind of like stuck, stuck in, in it yeah, yeah. right yeah, that's a good point, bringing up the resentment piece some more because I feel like when when you were just saying that, I was thinking about like, oh, yeah, it, it kind of is like this setup for choosing my needs or the other person's needs. Yeah. If I choose my needs, I'm guilty. If I choose the other person's needs, I'm resentful. Right. And it kind of sets you up in this way. Yeah. Um, And neither feel good. Right. But... It's reminding me of this thing I heard. Do you know that author and speaker, um, and I'm not sure if he's a clinician, Gabor Mate? Oh, yeah. I, I actually don't think he's a He's a healer. Yeah. he's. A, Let's call him an he amazing does, healer. He does the thing. Um, I remember a lot of work around addiction. There's some, oh, sorry. I remember there's something about that he said about that it's better to feel guilty then feel resentful. Hmm. So it's better to bring in your needs and set your limits and boundaries that you need to set in a relationship and bear that guilt rather than not do that and take on and and kind of negate and disavow your needs and feelings and have that build up resentment. So interesting. He said something about the resentment is much, much heavier Mm -hmm. to hold and Mm -hmm. tolerate than guilt because at least you are getting your needs met yes yeah wow so it's making me Mm. think of that that 
Yeah. You know, bringing in our limits and our needs is so much more important, even if we feel guilty. Yeah. It's still better to feel that little bit of guilt rather than the huge mm-hmm. weight. And anger is the signal to us that we have needs that yeah. are being met. Resentment, I'm just thinking right now in the moment out loud, but I, I'm realizing resentment is is unmet needs that you already chose not to fight for in a way. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's like mm-hmm. that's the feeling of it to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's yeah, like it's something that you like didn't realize on. you were allowed to have kind of a different take or need yeah. around and you and that kind of went underground and then it's you've either been aware of it or not. Right. Um but it's it's built up to this point where it just it feels terrible. Um and there's so much um there's so much fight inside about yeah. it like kind of with yourself and with the other person at that point right. where like I didn't ask for something because I didn't realize I needed it or because your feelings and needs kind of overrode that for me mm-hmm. based on my own mm-hmm. history and disavowal of my needs and feelings cuz I'm a caretaker or whatever yeah um I think a lot of therapists would would probably resonate with this because a lot of us are caretakers. Yeah. Um, and that just builds up and builds up and builds up. Oh, yeah. And I think that happens very commonly when one person in a dynamic has, you know, more severe mental health thing going on or physical health thing going on. And, and so then you you can you can then kind of there are reasons to keep putting yourself aside. Yeah. But it takes a huge toll. It takes a toll. Yeah. And I don't think it means we never should put ourselves aside. Like mm-hmm. sometimes that's just the situation. Yeah. yeah. But but if that's the case, I think a lot of the caretaking, self-caretaking and caretaking from others that caretakers need is um, space to feel that anger and resentment and like kind of acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And not try to deny that it's there, absolutely. And to think about the needs that aren't being met, and yeah, you know, figure out like, well, what what realistically can be met right now? What what cho- I am choosing to mm-hmm. to stick around and be a caretaker in this situation? Yeah. So so then what? Mm-hmm. Right. What what are the consequences of that, and how do I deal with it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Good question. It really is. It brought up a lot of good um, good thinking. Yeah. I think it's just, it comes up a lot too, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think we should listen to another song. Okay. And come back and chat some more. I'm... What song <laughs> I'm, do you have in mind well, now? Well, I'm looking at stuff on my list and I'm like, oh, I want to play that, but I'm going to wait until <laughs> another week. It's just got a really good title. Okay. Um, oh, let's listen to um, "Good Scare," a new, uh, newish uh, single from Torres, who I I really liked their music historically, and uh, I'm excited that it appears there will be a new album coming out at some point. So here is Torres with "Good Scare." This is Radical Advice on BFF.fm. To love me through the bars of a golden cage Don't make your 
Radical advice on BFF.fm. Uh, I'm Lily Sloan, and I don't have my headphones on or my microphone. Okay, there we go. Whew, that was that was dramatic. <laughs> that was a sneaky, a sneakily short song. I know. We weren't ready. We were chatting. I know. We were pouring more tea. Oh. I really like this tea. I I drink a lot of peppermint tea at home I don't I can't do caffeine so I I drink a lot of mint tea at home and but I I kept just buying like cheap like the box of like mint tea bags at Trader Joe's and it's fine but I feel like I deserved better and (laughs) this tea is really good yeah so 
in Seattle, I went to this really fancy tea shop. I wish there was one like this here. Mm-hmm. I mean, there we have Samovar, but this was like more of a cafe mm-hmm. that had lots of tables and um, and they but they had like pastries and they had toast and they had breakfast sandwiches and things like that, mm-hmm. which I didn't have a chance to try. But they also had just dozens of varieties of teas mm. and they you know they brew it you know on the spot you get your pot and oh and they they come on a so that comes in like one of those glass teapots but it sits on a glass thing that inside of it is a um tea light so that's how it's kept warm and it's just so it was just oh, lovely such a nice experience yeah so this tea that we're drinking um has peppermint and cardamom and and licorice and what did you think you thought you tasted lemon it might have lemon balm in it yeah or or lemon verbena or something citrus yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so I'm glad I had the bag with me yeah um and I'm glad I spent 22 dollars on tea (laughs) (laughs) instead of three or something yeah it'll last a while too um, anyway, so I think there's something I'm overdue for right now. Community, community, community radio, community, community, community radio, community, community, community radio, community radio for the San Francisco music scene. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever. Sorry, my timing on these is really weird right now. <laughs> I'm just like, let's just interrupt the conversation with some loud noises. It was like a commercial. Yeah. For BFF. Yeah. That's exactly. cool. Did you make that one too? Yeah. Ugh, that's awesome. I don't understand or have any idea how you do these things. It's just amazing. I don't know either. No. <laughs> like, no, I don't know what to say to that. You're so much more savvy than I am. Well, there's certain things I know how to do, but I think you um, are more savvy than me as a therapist. Huh. I don't know about that, but. Uh, I think so. Mm. Yeah. Or, I mean, you're. You have a different style, but I, I think, you know, we pay attention to different things. But anyway, I think I think my my calling is in making um, radio station ID <laughs> tags, things. Tag. You're very good at that. That's that's what I'll do. <laughs> well, so so one of the things with the show ending um, soon is that I'm going to continue with the radio station and I'll be doing mm. more more. uh non-live radio projects so it includes focusing on those things and then also working on a podcast and oh you're starting a new podcast well I'm working on a podcast for the radio station yeah yeah very cool that's kind of around bringing bringing out some of the the cool interviews and things that happen on different shows podcasts yeah that was a while ago when we worked on I know so a therapist walks into a bar you were my co-producer for like Three episodes? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Oh, my that God. Was, I want to say like 2016 or something. I think I, mm, 2017. 2017? Yeah, because the show, I launched the podcast in 2016, and it okay. was the second season that you okay. were in on. Yeah. It was like almost three years ago-ish. Yeah. Yeah. That oh was amazing. That was so much fun. Yeah. It was really great working with you on that. Yeah. We did some the, the episode on dating. Yeah. Uh, what was that called? Fuck dating. <laughs> fuck, it was called fuck dating. We were trying to come up with a title for it, and it was just like fuck dating. Yeah, this so is 
hard. It's so painful. It's so disappointing. Yeah. So anxiety ridden. Oh, and Eve, who we interviewed, yeah. who had that has that dating app or had, yeah. I don't know yeah. the status of it. Um, they at one point their offices were in this very building. Wow. Upstairs. Crazy. But, yeah. No, she is now at the Wright Institute training to be a therapist. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I, I know someone else who's there too, ju- who just started. Yeah, she. Ch- I mean, I don't want to tell her whole life story on the radio, but she ju- she switched careers and she's training how to be a therapist. And I was so excited when I heard about that. I reached out to her because I always thought she was so thoughtful and like emotionally mm-hmm. intelligent about herself and her experiences. Yeah. And I'm I'm just like, wow, that's so cool. And I'm I already know you're going to be a great therapist. So. Grad school comes for us all. Yeah. <laughs> Becoming a therapist. I know. Well, yeah, it's funny the amount of people who the result of going to therapy is to decide they want to be a therapist. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. A lot of people do try it out. And some people stick with it. Some people try it for a year and they're like, no, this isn't for me. And then they kind of pivot and find something kind of adjacent or similar. I think that, you know, my, my own path has been that I genuinely wanted to be a therapist and I but but the training and the the experience of going through all that is is often for people not always but often about healing themselves yeah and through that you may end up s- staying a therapist for right. you know however long but um sometimes that's not sometimes that's the work you needed to do and then you're you're like oh okay yeah like, I don't need to be a therapist yeah now. Yeah, you know, and I've I'm clearly like a very part time therapist because I think the the work brought me to places that I always wanted to be that I was too scared of, mm-hmm. and I became a therapist instead mm-hmm. because I was scared to pursue those other things. Right, and I needed to do that. Yeah, I think for me it's changed a lot. I think at the beginning it was so much about my own healing and my own growth, and at CIIS having it be so experiential and the curriculum be so much about, I think, really working on your own kind of pain points, if Mm -hmm. you will, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of understand those things before you start sitting with clients and those things kind of come up. Um, But to really build some, some muscle to tolerate those kinds of things and understand them better for ourselves. And I mean, that was just so huge in you know experiencing that yourself I think makes you so much better at helping other people experience that yeah um, and so much more ready Um, and yeah but it's also changed for me too like you're saying like it's it's not so much about my own healing now and sometimes I feel like oh well I want to put my skills into other things rather than just being a therapist in private practice and for me a lot of that is um, the climate crisis. Mm. I feel like mm-hmm. um, sometimes really torn. Like, shouldn't I be doing more about that with my time? It's <laughs> um, been coming up on the show a lot, and I mean, yeah. I think because like we had fires and, and everything, but it's just it's it's on it's weighing yeah. it's weighing on us. It is. Yeah, it's like kind of always there in the background. Yeah. Um, I think for yeah for all of us for all of us. Yeah, I think even if yeah, even if we're not conscious of it, it's it's like oh, there's something going on that's not n- not right, and mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of powerlessness 
feelings of powerlessness and mm-hmm. doom and hopelessness around that mm-hmm. that are it's it's hard to know what to do yeah it really is and to feel like there's really an option of that there is something to do yeah um because yeah i mean i i i think i am trying to do certain things in my own personal life like with lowering my plastic Mm -hmm. use and um really trying to not buy things in plastic packaging and um like not using the dryer as much mm. in my house and hanging <laughs> my clothes, like mm-hmm. like trying to reduce my footprint a little bit. Oh, I've also been eating less meat, mm-hmm. um, especially red meat, mm-hmm. um, because for the environmental impact that that creates with um, red meat with um, cows. Um, so things like that. But I wish that I did feel like um, there was more that I could do. Yeah, because I, th- I think the problem is, is, I mean, just we we have a uh, we have a big problem where so much emphasis has been put on individual consumer mm-hmm. habits, mm-hmm. and yeah, those are those are nice things to to work on, but it, it's like barely even touching the issue. I know, and that's really hard. Yeah, and that's where it's like the feeling. It's like you you can maybe if if you don't think about that, you can feel like you're doing something and like. But it doesn't feel, yeah, it doesn't, it's not enough for the bigger problem. And what is it that we could do that addresses that beyond political action, campaigning, letter writing, voting, you know, all of that, like beyond that, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Donating to environmental groups. Right. But. I mean, it does seem like it needs to be governmentally regulated for companies so that it's not all in the hands of consumers but um i do think there are th- i think it's i think it's everything we need we need people individually doing that but we also need yeah more um restrictions for companies like particularly on like wasteful packaging that they use they shouldn't be allowed to do that anymore yeah like we shouldn't have yeah. the plastic straws anymore you know all of that stuff mm-hmm. um and i think that I don't know. I had this idea that what if companies, whether they were regulated to do so or just <laughs> took it upon themselves, I don't know in what world they would do this, but what if companies felt a sense of responsibility for the whole life cycle of whatever their product is mm-hmm. rather than just it getting to the hands of the consumer, but also how the consumer will dispose of this product. Yeah. And a lot of companies kind of do that but they stop with saying well it's recyclable i know and recycling is but bullshit but then <laughs> it's not actually being recycled no and, and these companies are not was, it's not are not like right. really involved it's like it's like they kind of wash their hands of it yeah. once it once they put on that recycling yeah. mark but what if they took more responsibility there and actually provided some kind of program yeah for the disposing or recycling mm-hmm. or reusing of their product um well that's what's yeah. nice about like there like there's companies it's you know and it's not i think it's not that crazy for what it is but it's not affordable for the average person things like um um i've had friends who've who've gotten like the done like the the uh, compostable di- diaper services, for instance, because oh. diapers are a big like landfill thing. But these compostable ones, it's like they actually 
deliver you your batch of diapers and pick up the you know and mm. deal with composting and the the batch that are dirty mm-hmm. and you know the, so there, there there are little niche things like that but they're like niche things that you know liberal white people can do right like right, exactly they're not accessible it's not the norm it's not accessible to everyone right. right that's why i feel like it should be yeah like if there's something that companies could do more for their customers and their customers it would make it easier yeah to to do something i mean i like this organization called terracycle.org mm. mm. <laughs> making a plug for them <laughs> um, but they what they do is they partner with companies um oh. to make recycling programs for their products mm-hmm. like so for instance i think bosch and lom mm. which is the company i use for, to buy my contact lens no oh. sorry i don't buy my contact lenses from them but they partnered with TerraCycle and they created a program where you can you can print a free shipping label from uh-huh. the website and take all of your contact lens cases and contact lenses that are mm-hmm. all pla- it's all plastic mm-hmm which would definitely, even if they say they're recyclable, they're not because no. they'll fall through the conveyor belts on, yeah. in the recycling facilities. And they, those things just end up in the ocean. Yeah. End up in the bellies of whales and turtles. Or maybe they accidentally end up in the whale's eyes and it happens to be the right prescription. <laughs> <laughs> and the whale's like, oh my God, I can see. Wow, you're so optimistic. <laughs> it's not usually like you, Lily. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to balance it out here. Well, what's cool about this program is Bosch and Lam will, will accept any contact lenses oh, from, from any manufacturer and it's free. You just like could, I just keep them in a shoebox, slap on the label and yeah. mail it and they actually are getting recycled. And TerraCycle does this stuff with all these like major companies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um so things like that are cool, but I wish companies would like do that for themselves. And I still think it's really hard to get people even though that's yeah. easy it seems easy it's still hard to get people to, to not just throw things in the garbage True. you know and like and also yeah it's just oh so much of our lives is so disposable and like you know I don't think we can make all of that go away because no. some of that has been good in certain ways but it's um it's it's gone way off the rails yeah and and though I think manufacturing and you know fossil fuels and all that has been um, has a much bigger impact yeah and um like wind energy yeah just breeze we just had more wind energy we just had a little more breeze in our lives <laughs> actually i was reading this book did you hear, did, have you ever heard of the book drawdown no or operation drawdown or project i don't know it's called drawdown and it's um i'm not remembering his name right now um I will get there. I'm going to remember his name. I mean, I could um, look it up on the internet if you want. But he, it's not just him that authored the book. It's like a huge conglomeration of scientists that um, kind of ranked the top um, solutions okay. for for reversing climate change. Oh, okay. I'm at their website, drawdown.org. Paul Hawken is his name. Okay. I just remembered. Yeah. Okay. Um, I heard him speak like, I think a few weeks ago and it's really interesting. I mean, they, they also, um, they ranked these solutions, not just by like how much carbon it would sequester and minimize, um, emission, continuing emissions of, but it would, but also like the actual monetary cost. And the number one thing on this list is actually refrigerant 
oh, which I had yeah. never heard of. And I was and like, I'm seeing what? on their website a link to uh, refrigerant management. Refrigerant management was the number one issues because all of these ref- refrigerator HFCs and coolant that gets released through air conditionings and and refrigerators and um, even cars. Yeah. Like it it releases so much um, carbon dioxide into the into the atmosphere. And then the second one though is wind energy, like mm-hmm. offshore and onshore wind turbines. Mhm. Mhm. And there was something like um Oh, I read something in the book, something about like how it would take not even that much um, area to have wind um, uh, windmills yeah. that could actually generate power for like the entire entire U.S. if we only invested in that. Yeah, but you know, our president said that they cause cancer. So, <laughs> oh, God. Our, right. our dear president. <laughs> oh God, you're so optimistic today. <laughs> Um, I can't meet you there, unfortunately. Right oh now. God, no! I am. Th- this is this is like the 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 dread meets extreme sleep deprivation <laughs> meets. Now I'm just losing my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm curious what you think in terms of where this intersects with like the psychological, like personal growth kind of therapy stuff. Like how even just for yourself, like walking around with this feeling of of fear and anxiety about the climate and wanting to, you know, do something like what what do you think what do you think might get in the way for people or for your, for yourself or what what things does it trigger? Yeah. Oh, I mean so much of it feels like we're all walking in the dark. Mm-hmm. together and we're all disconnected from talking about it mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. I mean here we are talking about it but I feel like for me it's often this feeling that I'm holding alone mm. most of the time and talking about it sometimes but it's kind of this weird almost split where it's going on and I'm thinking about it even if it's not in the forefront yeah while I'm going on with my life as usual even though things don't feel the same anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 very difficult to think about and hold and know how to talk about. And I wonder if other people kind of can resonate with that. Um, yeah. Because it's really, you know, this thing that we've never faced before. Yeah. So it's not like we have leaders and experts that we can really go to that say this is how we need to hold this or what we need to do um, for ourselves yeah. around this issue. I mean, yeah, we have a lot of science and a lot of really smart people that have solutions like Paul Hawkins' work. Yeah, who are just like um, screaming. And right. But then the, the everyday people that aren't scientists that aren't working on these things, like what we do, I mean, we don't really have leadership yeah. Around how to think about this stuff, organize this stuff, and organize our emotions that yeah. come up around this. Um, it's really unprecedented. So right. um, I I'm I feel like in it just as a human like anyone else. Not that my clients can come to me like I have this answer for them. 
We, well, we never. We never do. <laughs> we never do. But sometimes we do. Sometimes we've been a few steps ahead of our clients True. and can offer some wisdom about things that we've, you know, we've kind of unpacked in ourselves or understood about ourselves and might have more insight into. Oh, but, yeah. But, but this kind of thing, I feel like we're all we're all really in it together. So that's a really that's a really useful way for you to be putting it. It's not like this is completely new to me in my mind, but it feels like there's a fresh <laughs> moment around it for me of just not just with climate, but with the things we've been dealing with politically yeah. in general. Yeah. Over the last well since 2016. Sure. Um it has felt like working with my clients around these things has been different mm -hmm. from other work we've done in the past. Right. Because I'm in it too. Yeah. And I'm in a lot of pain. Right. And I'm, you know, having to hold back tears and like having to, to say a lot of things like, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. And, can we just be here together in that? Yeah. It's really scary or yeah. it's really hard. Yeah. And that those moments have been really powerful for me as a therapist. I think, you know, for the clients, like like being able to share in that together. Uh, that came up so much around like Brett Kavanaugh oh, yeah. and all of that. Like it's like working with my like uh, woman identified clients, like it just kind of like crying together. <laughs> like mm -hmm. this is so... I can't believe this is happening. Absolutely. And and all the rage and pain of walking around in a in a uh, female body, you know, like our our whole lives or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what that brings up and I don't know. Yeah, so there's something about it where it's kind of enlivened the work for me and also made me feel more impotent mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah, it's different than like you were saying before with the couples where you had this experience of like you could be more of an authority. Yeah. Um, not in an aggressive way yeah, or anything but just like, like that. Okay, but I know how to I know how I know to be what I'm this. doing. Yeah. yeah. This kind of takes us out of that yeah. way of thinking and way of being where it's like meeting on the same ground. Yeah. And some of that hierarchy that is real in therapy you know we're the expert and they're coming mm -hmm. to us that kind of gets removed in in this part of the work yeah um and we're meeting human to human on this even ground in something that we're both feeling and facing together right um and that i think is therapeutic too just to be in those feelings together i mean i yeah i've also even just had um it this is different but when a patient comes in and they have just had something really horrible happen in their lives. Yeah. Where I've cried with them uh -huh. about it. Yeah. And it's just like this, you know, there's nothing else for us to do except feel this right now. And that's really the human, the very, very human, um, natural way to be. Yeah. And I think as a therapist, it's kind of sitting with, Oh, I'm not always in control here. Yeah. Like I'm not some so, and sometimes me not being in control is the best thing mm -hmm. for this it's authentic, it's you know, it's real and I'm enough in control that I can manage the situation. Right. Like, okay, yes, I just got yeah. teary or you know, these I'm feeling this too. I can I know where to bring things back to. Yeah. Professionally. <laughs> 
but it's um but in the moment it's very it's very much this like I don't have a handle on mm-hmm. this on where we are right mm-hmm. now and it's that's the general sense of living and breathing and existing in 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 our world right now yeah too yeah yeah and and it's made me doubt myself as a therapist so much Mm. and at the same time feel even more like kind of going back and forth between the doubt and the feeling even more like oh this is what's needed yeah 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 it's it's just really organic in Mm -hmm. the moment um and i think it helps i think it's helpful for our clients to sometimes just see our humanity yeah and and see that we are also fallible and feeling and not these idealized projections they might have of us yeah. all the time. I mean, that that was really healing for me in my own therapy. And um, let my let my therapist um, be a human, yeah, rather than this perfect kind of being that knows everything and is all seeing mm-hmm. and wise and containing and. Well, and that's yeah. the developmental process we have to go through with parents exactly. and caregivers too. Exactly. And I know, I, yeah, it's that can be right. really hard and important. And what can yeah. a parent do right now to with with children who are asking them questions about the climate? I mean, all they can really say right now is like, "We don't know what's going to happen, yeah. and it's scary, and we're gonna we're gonna be together in it." Yeah. You know, I don't have answers for you, and I'm yeah. sure parents you know, do this a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, yeah. To be able to have those, it's a really tricky balance between honesty and, um, still creating an environment where your kids feel safe. Yeah. As best as they can. As best as they can. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, and I think it would be extreme for a parent to be like, look, I don't know what the hell's going on either. We're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> But to, from a calm place to be yeah. able to be like, I know it's scary. I feel scared too. I'm here with you. Like there's something very grounding yeah. and safe yeah. about that, yeah. even though they're not lying. Right. It's honest. Yeah. It's rather than saying it'll be okay. I yeah, mean, no. that would be maybe a lie. Yeah. And maybe worse. Depending on how rich they are. <laughs> if, <laughs> and if like, they bought Greenland. Uh, and like how high up, you know, what their altitude is. <laughs> Right, exactly. You know, I was really fantasizing about houseboats in Seattle because I was walking by them because they're so cute. They're like just they these, are cute. they're like tiny houses slash uh-huh. like regular size houses. Well, don't they have them in Sausalito too? You mm-hmm. don't have to go that far. Yeah, but I like the weather. I want <laughs> I want to be in a houseboat in the rain. Okay, <laughs> and like, but I'm like, oh well, yeah. My friend, yeah, uh, well, Christine, who's is a friend of the show and who's who's been on a couple times. Um, I was visiting her up there and. She was like, yeah, like if the big one hits, we're definitely at risk for tsunami issues. And wow. and like, like, yeah, I guess I if I lived in a little floating house. I would need to evacuate. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you would. Pen- pending tsunami. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all of it. And and like what do you like everyone living in Seattle is just, you know, and here, you know, we're all just living. We're all just living. We don't and know. We have no idea. Yeah. And and it can sometimes, is not so much with earthquakes, because I feel like you, you can't live your life always aware that an earthquake could hit at any moment. But but I feel it more with like the environmental 
dread is like because because it is something that is human created yeah there's like this this feeling of like this bizarre feeling around just going about life knowing that that's just happening and keeps slipping further and further away from us right yeah Oh, but those whales with good eyesight. (laughs) Oh, my God. Save the whales. Save the whales. Give them contacts. (laughs) No. Don't don't give them your dirty contacts. Dark humor, Lily. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Um, I've been watching the show Watchmen. Mm. It's on HBO, and it's, it's based off of the graphic novel. Uh, or it's like a continuation of the story 30 years later or whatever. But um, it's so it's so dark. Huh. And I'm noticing like how uncomfortable and yet like gleeful I get when really, really disgustingly dark things happen in it. But mm. they're kind of like tongue in cheek a little bit. Okay, And it's this this like feeling of release, I think. It, mm. It's like cathartic in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes watching things like that can be, yeah, can be like kind of grounding. Yeah, in a way, it's just like, oh my god, I can't believe they just did that. <laughs> <laughs> Show me more. <laughs> anyway, um, so a couple of things I want to ask you about. Oh, okay. Just a, you know, a few things I don't always uh, get to, but I, I'm glad I can today. Um, well, if you so, let's say. You have a time machine. Okay. And we're going to put aside all, you know, complications and paradoxes and blah, 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 blah. Like, we're not going to worry about any of that because, yes, I get it. Time travel is not plausible. Okay. Um, yet. Um, <laughs> let's say you have a time machine mm. and you can go back to Jessica, who's going to therapy for the first time. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say like could go anywhere anytime. Oh well, we could do that too. No, could sorry. Go back go to for the it. womb. <laughs> okay, so so you your time machine is also a shrinking machine. So you go up inside the womb, <laughs> like an in inner space. Did you see that movie? Is that an old one? Yeah, it's like Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid. And, yeah, yeah anyway. I remember that. But that's not the question. Okay, um, you can go back to Jessica, who's gonna go therapy. to therapy for the first uh, time. Uh, right. Um. What do you imagine you know now that might have been helpful to her then to know about the process? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, because on the one hand, my first reaction is like, it was, it, it worked the way it did. And right. It was no great. Need to change and there's no need to change it at all. Yeah. It all went the way it did. And, um, you learned the things when it was I learned time to the learn things them. Mm-hmm. and I was, you know, in the place that I was there then and all mm-hmm. of that was, you know, it made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think advice that I, I think I figured out something quickly about mm-hmm. therapy and I don't remember if someone told me this or I just did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something I remember giving a lot of advice to about people who were just starting therapy, like around the time or just after I started. Yeah. Probably a year after I started, I want to say. Um, was That's to, the part where you're like, oh, I'm I've, an expert. I've been in therapy <laughs> a long time. I'm like a PhD in therapy now. <laughs> um, Honorary 
honorary PhD from Best Human Institute. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll, you know, follow myself like that. Um, yeah. But I would tell people like, because they would complain about their therapists. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, why don't you tell your therapist you're having feelings like this? Because you yeah. actually have the opportunity to work. You're paying someone and in a relationship with them that you can actually talk about these feelings with rather than be fantasizing about terminating with them. Yeah. Like you could actually bring that in. And I I kind of learned that early on that I could do it. And I saw how beneficial it was and how much it showed me about myself. Yeah. That I was like preaching that a and lot. that's unusual. I mean, I think a lot of people don't learn that for a long time. Yeah, that's why I can't remember how I... Did, did your therapist tell you, hey, by the way, you can do this? Because a lot of therapists don't say... I think she did. I yeah. think she would she would say, you know, I'm wondering if you're having feelings towards me. Uh-huh. Okay. And she would pepper yeah. that in yeah. here and there. Yeah. That I started to get the, the memo like, oh, yeah, she wants to know about this. Yeah. Somehow in my unconscious, you know, many of us have been trained to to think that no one wants to know about these feelings, these hard feelings. Yeah. Or quote unquote negative feelings which I don't really like saying negative feelings anymore it's just more difficult more challenging feelings yeah um so you know we've we've internalized this message like there isn't space for this difficult feeling that you're having the anger or the fear or the resentment or whatever um so we don't tell it but somehow her peppering in like what are you maybe you're having feelings towards me maybe you just got angry with me there Mm. I don't think I was able to respond to that at first, but then little by little, I started to get this memo like she wants to hear that. She's open to hearing this. Yes. Unlike other people in my life. And I found that so beneficial to talk through and work through those things that I never felt were possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to do, I'm going to do some like different us. I'm going to. I don't know, add up a lot of numbers before the show comes to an end and share my data on the types of questions that came in, the types of discussions that were had because uh-huh. I've got my spreadsheets. And um, I would say my guess right now is that at least 50% of the questions were about, I'm having this problem in therapy. I don't know what to <laughs> do. Course. And the answer being like, bring it to your therapist. Right. Like, right. And, and, and kind of, that discussion happening most so many times right. on the show um, over and over in, in a variety of ways of like why that's part of the therapy. Right. And it, it yeah. just makes me think of the question too. It's like we don't know how to have conversations about our feelings yeah. with and, others. And therapy is in theory one of the safest places to practice that, to exactly. practice that with your therapist. Exactly. Yeah, because they're there for that mm-hmm. and they're trained to do in theory, they're trained to do that. I mean, that's the thing is I don't, not all therapists are the same. Not all therapists value that kind of work. Right. And not all therapists are good at it. That's true. And so it's always a risk still. Yeah. But it's probably, I think it's less risky than it is almost anywhere else yeah. in your life. Absolutely. So It's worth taking the risk. Yeah. Because if you find out you can't do that with your therapist, I think you need to find a new therapist. Perhaps, yeah. Like, unless the other things you get from it are what are most important right yeah, then. Yeah, right. You and know. maybe some of that is. Like, maybe you're going for a very specific reason, like you're having panic attacks. Right. And or, you don't yeah. want to, 
you know, you you want to be in therapy for like two months and work on that and get yeah. some resources and then you're good. Maybe that's not what you're going to therapy for. But if you're interested in really working, especially on relationship type stuff. Yeah. Whether it's with coworkers. And I feel like I, my many of my clients are women in their 20s and 30s who are professionals who are struggling with relationship patterns they keep finding whether with coworkers, with dating yeah. with romantic partners with family members or with friends yeah and there's something very unsatisfying there's a lot of emotions that come up that are really hard to understand and make sense of and to bring that kind of stuff up yeah in therapy and also do the relational work with the therapist really helps people get on top of some of that stuff yeah. and understand themselves better and therefore able to make better choices for themselves about their relationships and have more creative capacity to to work through yeah. stuff in their relationships outside of therapy. And it creates safe, more safety in the therapeutic relationship to dig even deeper into things. Absolutely. And, and I, yeah, I don't think that now, I don't know. It's possible they said it and I just didn't take it in. But my like early therapists mm -hmm. when I was a teenager and early 20s, I don't remember them ever encouraging me or like mm. giving me that information. And while I understand a perspective that's like, let's like let happen what happened, you know, I think that it, my my general feeling is mm, overall, I think it's better for people to just know they have permission mm -hmm. and then. You know, it, they still may take years to to, to take advantage of that. Absolutely, it may be a long time before they're ready. But yeah. to remind them occasionally. Yeah, I, I'm just thinking about that for myself too. I don't think that I um, make that explicit of an mm -hmm. invitation like a lot, mm -hmm. like my therapist did with me. Yeah, but I certainly will um, at times um, open. For that yeah in a way like that yeah you might have had feelings towards me about that yeah, and usually, you know or, usually or, those opportunities will arise where you can kind of sense like yeah and you know I might just be like you know that was that was a lot I just sh I just shared or the thing I just said I'm just wondering how that was for you to hear mm -hmm. and, and if they're like oh it's fine I'll be like okay just putting it out there I just want to remind you that if anything comes up in here between us I'm happy to hear right, it you know right. but yeah it's it sometimes it's something I might kind of announce in a first session uh -huh. but not always it, it it depends it really depends yeah. yeah yeah but that it's something that um I in general I think at some point I'm giving people that information mm -hmm. whether it was through a natural opening or through mm -hmm. a general like a, here's what here's how I see the work mm -hmm. kind of conversation yeah yeah, and I could see some people probably don't announce that at all, even when they are open for it. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of waiting right, um, for a time when it seems like that's happening and then are very available Yeah, for that. I guess, and I guess my problem with, with that is I fear that people who would totally take advantage of it won't if they don't explicitly know. Yeah. And that it is a lost opportunity. Right. And even though I get there being some reasoning behind waiting mm -hmm. and seeing how how does this person get to that point mm -hmm. i just i just want therapy to be really like 
transparent and accessible and like yeah as easy as possible yeah so yeah definitely there's a learning curve yeah around it yeah totally different approaches Mm -hmm. okay so another question okay the treasure oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and we're gonna say the bay area the treasure's in some buried somewhere in the bay area okay what is the treasure and where is it buried? And this doesn't have to be a perfect, like, set-in-stone answer. Okay. So I thought about this a little bit um, when you sent it to me. And um, so I, I've i been to um, – okay, so I'm, I'm from a beach-type place. I'm from South Florida. Mm-hmm. And here there is not – the same kind of beach, I no, think we can not. say. <laughs> um, and so, you know, having the experience to like be in a bathing suit and be warm and go swimming is something I really treasure and feel tormented by yeah. living here that there's this huge, beautiful ocean, beautiful yeah. coastline that I cannot take advantage of the way that I would love to. Yeah. So I feel like my treasure would be... I don't know if it's buried, but it's some beach here. That, <laughs> a that, hidden beach. That has like calm, beautiful, crystal clear water like I've been to like in Europe, like in the Mediterranean. Uh-huh. That is like calm, clear, beautiful, blue, and just delicious to swim in mm. that I could go to like, I mean, every day if I could. Yeah. Um, but the, the feeling of swimming in water, I just yeah. love that. That is such a treasure for me. So oh. that's what I would want. I'm the same. And I, I'm okay with the sun when I'm getting to swim in a body of water. Uh-huh. So yeah. I'm not that much of a monster. <laughs> um, yeah, water. It's mm-hmm. so like, I, yeah, I feel so held by it. Ugh, it's so healing. My, my body, my mind just gets so nourished from yeah. being able to swim. Mm. And it's not the same in a pool. It's like, it's like yeah. a natural, Open warm... Water. Not, it doesn't have to be super warm, but warmer than our ocean here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and calmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not quite the same, but my like hidden kind of magical swim spot is um, Bass Lake. Not to be confused, there's some massive Bass Lake with like motorboats and stuff. But there's mm. Bass Lake in the uh, on the Palomarin Trail. Oh, yeah. Rays. Yeah. If you go during, you know, during like the September, October, summer, you know, where it gets pretty hot, mm-hmm. the fog usually, you, you hike along the coast and you find this hidden lake and the, the fog usually burns off by noon and it's just such a soothing place. And you're just surround, you're just surrounded by trees on all sides mm. and it's just a really yeah. nourishing spot. Yeah, nature. It's amazing. Nature. I hope it lasts. <sighs> well, it's gonna... nature will last. It's just will we last to, <laughs> to see it? <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna change. Everything changes. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, so can we reiterate where people can find you and your work? And yes, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I I'm Jessica Brown, and my website is jessicabrowntherapy.com. Um, and you can also email me, jessica at jessicabrowntherapy.com, um, about the T group for pre licensed cl- clinicians, mm-hmm. or I also work with individuals and couples um, mm-hmm. in Oakland. 
Amazing. Yeah. So that's the way to find me. I'm so glad I got to have you on for a second time before the ending. Yeah, me too. And it's just, um, oh, and yeah, your voice was on the finale pod, uh, the fun finale episode of A Therapist Box Into that's a Bar right. as well. So you've that's been, right. you've been around for some endings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're trained in that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really, yeah, I'm, I am really happy and excited for you and your, your, this stage of being licensed and building your own practice. And Thank you. I think people would benefit a lot from seeing you. So go to jessicabrowntherapy.com. Thank you, Lily. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, four more broadcasts of Radical Advice coming after this. I don't know what I'll be doing for the finale, but I have guests lined up for the next three. And thank you so much for listening. Please go to RadicalAdviceShow.com and you can submit a life question there. Um, also, you could submit any thoughts or feelings about the ending of the show. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and yeah, keep listening to BFF.FM. Lots of good stuff happening. Lots of good music coming up. And let's end with a song. I feel like that means I'm going to like start singing a song, but I'm not. <laughs> I don't. I you know what? I oh, I know. I played this song the very first show. I'll play it now. Yeah. Another classic. Um, here's Free by Cat Power. And thank you for having me, Lily. Thanks for being here.
Mama. Mama.